You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to start by just introducing Tony Costa and Lindy Lee in a little bit more detail. Tony um, completed his postgraduate studies at what was called the City Art Institute in those days. Um, It's now the University of New South Wales um, College. And in 1988, he was selected to participate in the Triangle Artist Workshop in New York. So Tony won the Archibald this year and he's also been an Archibald finalist previously in... 2015, 2017 and 2018. His art practice spans both portraiture and landscape and he's also been a finalist in the Wynne, Sulman and Dobell Prize for Drawing at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. He's also been a finalist in the Doug Moran Portrait Prize, the Fleurur Biennale and the Kilgore Portrait Prize. Um, And Tony was also the winner of the Paddington Art Prize for Landscape Painting in 2014. Please welcome Tony. (laughs) Thank you. Lindy Lee uh, is an Australian artist whose practice explores her Chinese ancestry through Zen Buddhism, philosophies that see humanity and nature as inextricably linked. Symbolic gestures and processes that call on the element of chance are often used to produce a galaxy of images that embody intimate connections between human existence and the cosmos. We were very lucky to show one of Lindy's uh, installations in our Tarawara Biennial almost two years ago, in which she created an installation by throwing uh, molten bronze into sand after an extended period of meditation. And then these tiny little shapes of bronze make their way onto the walls of the museum in an improvised installation. So really wonderful work. Um, So I might start with you, Tony, and can't resist, but tell us about the phone call. (laughs) Well, I... I, Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. I heard Michael say that the morning of the judging is one of his worst days and doesn't look forward to it, but I can tell you it was my favourite day of my life. Um, Well, I was just sitting at home with Jeanette, my wife, having a coffee, and uh, the phone rang. I looked down and thought, I don't know that number, but I'll answer it. And the voice on the other end said, uh, is that you, Tony? I said, yes. He said, this is Michael Brand from the Art Gallery of New South Wales. And then the phone cut out. <laughs> so I looked at Jeanette and I said, I, know, I think I know what's happened. The painting's fallen off the wall uh, and it's been damaged and uh, that's why they're ringing. So Jeanette then said, well, why don't you go outside? You might get better reception. So I went outside and waited maybe a minute or two and uh, Michael rang back and he said, Tony, it is Michael Brand, you're not dreaming. And he said, um, I've rung to tell you you've won the Archibald Prize. So um, after Jeanette resuscitated me, I then got up and uh, he said, you've got a couple of hours to get into the gallery and uh, come around the back. And uh, yeah, that was it. A couple of hours later, I was standing on stage um, trying to sound intelligent um, about winning this prize. And what was it like having that much of a media throng? Because it's quite an extraordinary event, the uh, announcement. Well, it was, yeah, it was completely astonishing. There's a, a, a Dutch, modern uh, Dutch abstract painter who says, um, I live in a state of perpetual astonishment. And I thought, I can relate to that. I know the feeling because uh, I actually thought something had happened to the painting. I wasn't expecting, you know, um, the call to say that I'd won. Uh, yeah, it was overwhelming. Um, but um, very, it was thrilling. 
it really was. So can you talk to us a little bit about um, how you came to choose Lindy uh, as the person that you would choose to paint for this prize? Um, well, I heard an interview that Lindy gave at the Arco New South Wales many years ago and uh, I found myself nodding at all the things that she was saying. I was attracted to her wisdom, her humility, uh, her humour, but above all, um, her sense of focus about her own work. And it's that single-minded attitude that I found inspiring and uh, felt I, you know, it, this is someone I would really love, love to paint. I think she's an inspiration and uh, I have a huge respect for Lindy. I've followed her work over the years and uh, I felt a real affinity. And I think if you're going to paint someone's portrait, you have to have that strong connection. Um, and hopefully some of those connections and feelings are then translated into paint. The, um, the process of, well, the choice to paint her, uh, and we're going to come to Lindy soon, sorry, Lindy. The choice to paint Lindy uh, meditating, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to Lindy the artist, although we'll find out soon, I think, that they're interconnected, um, is an interesting one. Um, we heard earlier about uh, the Tim Storia portrait where there was absolutely no face, and in your portrait, the eyes are closed. And, of course, often in portraits, it's all about the eyes um, that sometimes follow you around, around the room. So tell us about that process of deciding to paint her meditating and then just some of the kind of compositional mm. devices that you've used to depict her in her robes. Yeah. When I was thinking about Lindy and her life and, 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 and her interests, it seemed obvious to me that I could only paint Lindy in a meditating position with her eyes closed. Um, meditation is a large part of Lindy's life and uh, it felt a very obvious thing to do. And so I discussed it with Lindy and, and uh, she, I think you said, well, you're the artist, you make the decision. But that's the, that's the, the pose that I chose for the, for the painting. Um, the, um, the other thing is that um, um, I... Um, I knew I wanted to paint Lindy in a meditating position. Now, I think I showed you a small drawing or a watercolour when you walked into the studio and said, this is what I want to do. Um, but, yeah, that, I, I couldn't imagine painting Lindy on the back of a truck or lying in grass. It would have been a very different painting. So I thought, no, meditation, and that's it. Uh, I'll stick to that. So um, it's, it's a very simple composition. Uh, I was very conscious of the fact that Lindy was going to be a complete triangle, so I've push the painting, the, 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 um, the figure to one side of the canvas just to add some visual sort of um, interest. And um, uh, kept the colours uh, very uh, minimal because I tried to avoid, you know, any visual noise. The, the painting is essentially uh, about serenity and, and peace and, and silence and I wanted that to, um, to carry through and anything that was going to distract from that would have been a problem. So I paired the colour right back. So the background is this beautiful orangey-yellow glow, if mm. you like, and, um, and then the robes are done in a kind of a very, very, very dark browny-black sort of tone. But you also use your hands a lot, not so much the brush. Is that right? Yeah, I don't own any brushes. Yeah. So, um, okay, so the, uh, Lindy's wearing her uh, meditation gown, which is, you know, essentially a very deep brown colour. And um, black, is it? Oh, I cheated. <laughs> Um, and it signifies uh, simplicity and also, um, you know, uh, monks who, who have this detachment to materialism. So already, you know, the gown was saying as much as 
as, as, as the pose itself. Um, what was the question? Well, I just felt that it was a very um, singular image in the sense it was quite simple shapes and you've used your hands to create the sort of grooves in the paint. It's yeah. almost like she's a silhouette against the background. Yeah, well, I'm only interested in shallow space. So once I apply the paint uh, with what I call um, spatulas, they're, they're actually paint scrapers, um, I then uh, apply large areas of paint and manipulate the paint with my hands and I use my small finger to delineate the lines, you know, to represent the folds in the, in the gown. Um, I, um, I don't paint on an easel, I paint on an old hospital bed, which is, um, um, plugs into a 240 volt and the bed articulates, it goes up and down, and it gives me the opportunity to look down at the painting. If it's a large canvas, I lower the bed or bring it up to a certain height. And um, I'm just basically following the rhythm. So I have one drawing that I did of Lindy in the morning and then one in the afternoon. But I just follow the rhythms on, on the canvas. And I do that by um, following the lines and the folds and trying to repeat those patterns. I'm interested in rhythm. Yeah, beautiful. So rhythm, um, rhythm, Lindy, is something that um, you would experience, obviously, with the breath when you're meditating. Can you talk to us a little bit about your, um, your Buddhism and how you came to it and, and some of that connection between Buddhism and practice as well, artistic practice as well as Buddhist practice? How much time have we got? Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, for a start, I think my my zen practice informs my art practice so everything comes out of my zen practice and i um and the, the thing is with zen the quintessential question in zen and in meditation is what is this that exists and for somebody who was absolutely preoccupied from a very early age from about two years old because you know i had this face in a completely white school and I, I, would, I would go to the Chinese club on a Sunday night and um, they'd be having, you know, stir-fried black bean and noodles and all this sort of food and everybody looked like me and, but everybody came from China or Hong Kong or something like that and then there were the likes of me. I looked like them, I didn't feel like them and all I wanted was a hamburger. Then the next morning I would go to school and I would feel like everybody else. I so wanted to be a blonde surfy chick. I so wanted to be president of the Monkeys fan club. None of those things ever happened for me. Um, but hey, life goes on. And it's just, so, you know, from my, from, I always think that artists, is a sort of, we are all, um, we're all torn at some point in our lives. This is, this is my belief and my experience. We are torn somewhere. And in that tearing is our life. So that, the tearing for me was just, Realising I'm different. We're all different, actually. But the moment we realise our difference from others in the world and the longing to belong, that's such a human question. That, that's the journey of our lives. So this is my long-winded way of saying that when I came across the philosophy and practice of Buddhism, particularly Zen, it, it, the, the question is not even who are you, but what is this that exists? And it's deeply mysterious. So that philosophically, in practice, just that's, that's my life, yeah.
There was a time when the two elements of your life, the practice, the artistic practice and the Buddhist practice were quite separate. Um, the artistic practice was, um, well, you came out of postmodernism and, you know, there was repetition, there was uh, influence of minimalism and so on. But then gradually the practice became a lot more improvisational. Okay. You know, back in the 80s, do you remember them, Vic? I do. Yeah. Vic, Vic and I go back a, a, a long way. Okay. So, yeah, you know, the, and my work was taken up very early. I remember, you know, I was doing photocopies and I was copying uh, the great masters of Europe and, and, you know, and people were writing about my work in terms of post-modernity and blah, 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 blah. And it was kind of interesting, but it was, it was really not about... It. I always felt um, that there was... No, it's just that my work comes from a very deeply personal place. So, but I was able to insulate and protect myself, actually, that, that through theory, if, if that makes sense. But after a while, you kind of, um, you know, it, it provided that sort of barrier or, you know, people didn't have to see me. But then the more you, I work as an artist, the more personal it becomes. It is about me. It is about this existence. And... And so um, there's that. There's also the fact that in meditation there are some really profound experiences that can happen, uh, especially if you go into retreat. Uh, so at that stage, I was, uh, you know, very 20, 25 years ago, I was doing four to six Zen retreats a year, which is a lot. Um, and things happen within that, and you, you begin to understand that the boundaries of what you are and who you are extend way beyond, you know, I. This is not the edge of me, okay? I always like to describe if I were to take... And I'm going to do it. No, I don't have my keys. All right. Anyway, okay, if I was to take this imaginary tennis ball and throw it, where do I begin and end in that gesture? You know, it, you know actually, that the energy of that ball has, might have come from me, but, you know, it's extended out into the world. And so that's the... When, medit when you meditate, you begin to understand that your existence is porous. The world comes towards you, comes through you, in you, and you go out and meet the world. And it's that connection now, that it's not about identity anymore, it's about the nature of existence in the world. So it took me about 20 years of Zen practice and stuff to, for the early intense experience of meditation to mature sufficiently so I could use them. You know, and that's, you know, it, uh, you know, it, they were gestating inside me for a long, long time until I was ready. And then I was ready. That's very beautiful. And um, I think if we go back to the portrait then, um, you are depicted in that meditative state. It's a very uh, interior... Uh, it's not even a gaze. It's an interior state. And it's also allowing the world to just go by in the way that a cloud just floats by and not letting it get to you in a sense in terms of when you're doing, you know, the meditation. But the Archibald <laughs> is all about people looking at people. Um, it's all about people walking by. Uh, it's all about people having opinions. So there's a, it's, not a, it's a contradiction, but I just wonder if you thought about that when you were, chose to depict a sitter meditating in terms of uh, these two states, one of being 
in a, in a really famous art prize and, and one where we're looking at existence itself. No, it never occurred to me. I, I just thought I need to paint Lindy with her eyes closed because she's meditating and that's what she does. But this painting was always going to be about, it was never going to be about what Lindy looked like. It was always going to be about Lindy's energy or you could swap the word energy for the spiritual. Uh, all the things that I was able to glean from that interview and then having met her and having spent time in the studio. So um, hopefully some of those qualities are trapped in the painting and if that's what people are get, getting... I had a woman come up to me and she started crying and uh, when I asked her, you know, if she was okay, she said, I applaud you for painting peace. So she got peace from the painting, which was nice. Um, but people will get all sorts of things. I'm, I'm not so sure. And as you said, uh, so rightly, it is a very internal painting. Um, I don't know what I can say about that. Maybe Lindy can add something to it. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking, because um, um, Vic and I had a little bit of a conversation a couple of days ago about the questions that she might like to ask. And, and, and I think it's, a, you know, I think it is brave, but I think that what's interesting is, is the interiority. I mean, in meditation, you, you know, you are, you are, you are it's, it's, it's an interior thing. Um, but it's also about porosity. So that's a dimension, sorry, that's a dimension of our existence that we often overlook, that we are actually, um, we have an interiority. So to, for somebody to, to, to depict that, I think, is, is valuable, you know, for us as human beings. And extremely unusual for an Archibald Prize painting, I think, and, and I think that's probably what the trustees would have seen in it. Having, uh, having mentioned the word trustee, Linda, you were a trustee for nine years, and uh, so you judged nine Archibald Prizes. Yep. Tell, tell us about that experience. Um, it was marvellous, Michael. <laughs> Um, I just as when you were talking about the the packing room prize because I I distinctly I'd forgotten about this moment and um, it was with Edmund but I remember every single year Steve the head packer who's since retired um, he would he would virtually come in you know holding the and nod to Edmund and go this one right <laughs> and then walk away. Um, and, and that was that was a great moment because you realised how much the Packers, you know, how involved everybody was. So I, I, okay, so I was artist trustee, but then you know I never really paid much attention to the Archibald because it, you know, because selfishly or something, um, I'm not a portrait painter. So I, I you know, it was a, a curiosity to me, but it wasn't something that I particularly cared for. Um, but as soon as I became a trustee and the first Archibald judging happened, it was amazing because it's the democracy of it, because anybody can enter and people take it to their heart. Um, how many stories can I tell, anecdotes? You can tell a few. <laughs> okay, so my, I've got to, there are so many anecdotes. Uh, so, okay, I'm on the bus um, uh, going into the city from uh, where I lived and I'm just minding my own business and somebody comes up to me and says, you got it wrong. <laughs> um, sorry? <laughs> so, and he said, you're Lindy Lee, aren't you? Um, uh, yes, I am. And he said, no, you got it wrong. And it, it was about the Archibald. So this guy came up to me and started to talk to me and, you know, gave me his 
very important opinion about how I got it wrong and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this conversation started to ripple out and then everybody in the bus started to have an opinion about whether or not I got it right or wrong. And by the way, I'm not the only judge, you know? So, you know, it's, it's experiences like that that you realise how profound the Archipel is in the Australian psyche. How did he know you were a judge? Well, because, um, well, I don't know, he must have recognised me somehow and somehow, you know, like... You know I what? Re- you know what? I reckon uh, that they researched the trustees on the yeah. uh, Gary New South Wales website where all, they've got all their photos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, um, uh, you know, and then there are other... Oh, should I tell the colonoscopy story? Okay, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, so, we'd just done the judging and, and we knew... Um, who the finalists were Um, and I was about to have a colonoscopy, very pleasant and I meet my doctor who says something like, oh yeah, you're an artist and yeah, and uh, you know, somebody painted me for the Archibald and I'm going, oh how interesting and he's about to put me under (laughs) and and I actually know, because I've seen the painting, and it was terrible, and it didn't get picked. But the thing about the colonoscopy, if you've had one, it will, I don't know this for sure, but it's, a, it's an amnesiac. You aren't actually, you're not out, all right? You're actually awake, but you don't remember it. So I have this terrible fear of him, you know, prodding me and going, well, what did you think of the painting? And, you know, and I just, it was... Just an awful moment. It's just well, so you know. The, the, my nine years as trustee was riddled with incidents like that, where people would you know like haul me up and say, "Got it wrong," or have an opinion. But the other thing about being a trustee, it it, it was it was it it was really a joyous time for trustees. I think all those stories about blood on the floor and they're, they're they're wrong. It, it's it's the one time where the trustees are absolutely dedicated to the discussion about art and that is wonderful and it's the only, it was probably the only time other than the acquisitions meetings that I felt that I had anything to say because you know like as an artist I am the wrong person to talk about finance you know so sitting in the meetings and you know talking about finance like okay that sounds good fine but you know it's it it, it is it, and so I can, uh, you know, from being kind of ambivalent about the Archibald or not really, you know, to actually growing to love it, you know, and um, be, because people care so much and that's got to be good. It's a democratic yeah. institution and people care One a more lot. story. Yes. Okay, one, one more, more story. story. Okay, so th- the first year that I was there, I heard about uh, this young woman who was driving her painting across the bridge. Um, her car broke down. Uh, a cab pulled up and tried to help her and he, she said, oh, look, I've got my painting, I'm about to deliver it to the... Is it the Archibald, the taxi driver said. He said, he said I'm taking you, okay, and I'll do it for you for free. So, like, <laughs> that is amazing. How good is that? Tony, what did you want to, did you want to add? Very quickly, the, the day after the announcement, a friend of mine rang me from the... Um, from Safala from the pub there in the main town. And he said, um, uh, we were having a conversation about the Archibald and I told the people in the pub that I actually knew you and was very proud of the fact that you'd won. 
and he said it, um, and he said everybody in the pub, with it, with without exception, said that the packing room pro sh should have won it, and that they got it horribly wrong. And he said at one point, he said it got dangerous, and I had to physically leave the pub because I thought that I was just about to start a punch up. <laughs> so I said I feared for my life, and he said that's never happened before. So this is out at Safala in a little country pub out west. So there you go. What what is that passion? I mean, why do you both think? that there's so much passion and that the prize is such a popular phenomenon and has been since its inception in 1921. Yeah, well, well, Michael touched on it earlier. It's been going on for 98 years, so it's a, it's a long time and everybody has an opinion. We actually encourage the public to, to have an opinion, the people's choice. So everybody feels that they, they can have a say. And um, often, you know, you're looking at people that you've seen on TV and people want to know if you get it right or wrong or... Um, I don't know. It, it, and, and, you know, what fascinated people hundreds of years ago still fascinates people today. And this might sound like an obvious thing to say, but what we have in common is our humanity. And people are always going to be interested in other people. And uh, to see it, uh, a moment trapped for eternity is, is, I think, for most people, quite fascinating. Mm. Lindy? Um, I, I think that it's um, because it's the longest, it's, it's, it's history. You know, it's part of Australian cultural history now. Um, and it's been controversial. Um, and people, from year to year, just the expectations and the... I don't know, it, 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 it's, it has a life of its own, unlike any other prize. It's... it's, it's um, I don't know, Australia, it's, it's just part of our psyche. And it's, it's history, that's why. Very interesting. Okay, let's open up in the last few minutes to some questions or comments from the floor. And our previous panellists are welcome to chime in if you'd like to. Yes. A uh, question for Tony. Uh, you've entered three times, was it, before you won this year? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Were you intending to just keep entering? I mean, is there, is there a joy and a reward just in actually painting and do you paint for the Archibald? No, I only point, paint because I love painting and it is a joy to paint pictures and uh, spending time with Lindy was, was terrific. Um, we didn't say very much, did we, during the whole no, process? No, I just sat still. <laughs> she sat motionless for, for six hours. Um, no, I, I, most of my work is landscape, but, you know, I see it as an opportunity to... Um, to, you know, dip into portraiture. I, d I enjoy both equally as much and uh, certainly not winning, not, not painting to win the prize. I've always been excited about just having the exposure because that's what the Archibald does, 200,000 people. We can only dream about stuff like that. So um, getting that, that level of exposure, it's, a, it's an extraordinary platform, is, is, uh, is wonderful. Um, so. Would you enter it again now that you've won it? I'll have a break. <laughs> Um, because, uh, you know, the Archibald is touring, so I'll be busy looking at other, you know, uh, going to the other regional galleries. But I think I will, yeah. Yeah, it's great fun. I enjoy it. It's interesting because Vincent Fantuzzo gave a talk recently and said he won't enter the Archibald because he doesn't want to be seen as an artist who never, never gets the Archibald, you know, again, sort of thing. So it's interesting, isn't it, how different artists have different perspectives. Yes, another question. Yeah, just to, for Tony and also for the uh, focus of the painting, you gave your 
client, I don't know, a sketch of what you were going to do. Weren't you a bit petrified that she was going to say, oh, God, no. And then as a recipient of the image, were you happy with how it came out? Or were you expecting something completely different? You go first. <laughs> well, I was familiar with Tony's work before, so I, I knew that. Um, but I think that this is... Uh, well, in a strange way, it's not about me. It's totally about Tony and, and about Tony's perception and Tony's uh, relationship with his work. So. Yeah, and you know what? I was overseas for most of it, so I never got. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I, uh, so I was actually in Shanghai when the announcement was made because I, um, a lot of the projects I work on um, take me away. Um, anyway, so I was just, I was in my hotel room about to change my SIM card and uh, to my China SIM. And then I see that Tony's called me and I realise it's Friday. Oh, it's Friday. I think he's won because I knew the, the, the routine. And um, anyway, I... Um, so to answer your question, actually, um, I didn't get to see the painting. Did I get... I didn't get to see no. the painting until no. a few months after the announcement. So, um, uh, you know, I... Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing is that, you know, in this situation, I didn't commission Tony to, to make a painting of me. Um, so it is Tony's work and I am so delighted and pleased that he won because, because he deserves it, you know. <laughs> it's very kind of you. Um, no, I, I, um, I did the small watercolour sketch and the couple of drawings, so, so Lindy saw those on the day. But as Lindy said, she hadn't seen the painting for a, for a couple of months, I think it was. And, um, um, I, but I did send you some happy snaps and I think you said something along the lines, it's looking good or it's, it's on its way. And I wrote back, I sent an email saying, no, no, that's it. That's the painting. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, I, I hope she likes it. <laughs> well, I also taught for a very long time. So, you know, you always, you know, you're very careful about saying whether something's finished or not finished. It's a, you leave it up to the person to let, you know, to tell you, and then, yep. yeah. <laughs> it is interesting what happens to paintings um, after the Archibald Prize. Some people gift them to the sitter, some people manage to sell them. I think Louise, uh, a collector, bought your work and then donated it to Ballarat. Was that right? Yeah, other artists keep the paintings for themselves. What do you think will happen to this painting? I have no idea. Um, I mean, I see the painting again in August next year, so I think I'll hang on to it and... Uh, you know, um, uh, have it in the lounge room so I can watch it instead of TV. Mm. And it might inspire you to do some meditation, Tony. It might. <laughs> in relation to your colonoscopy story, Lindy, isn't one of the entrants was a maxillofacial surgeon uh, this year, last year? Painter? Or was that the Moran? Moran, sorry. Yeah, he's a surgeon, so you've got to look. He's got to watch himself. I think it was a surgeon this year or last year, and which is interesting to have someone who looks at faces scientifically 
and surgically actually also painting a portrait. Portrait. It is interesting. We have quite a few surgeons who paint. And I say in my seven years with the Archer Wall, seven or eight, there've been at least I think a half a dozen really good portraits in the finalists that are painted by doctors, which sort of makes you a bit. How can they be so good at everything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And how do they have the time? Um, all right. Well, we might leave it there. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for coming. Thank you to the M Pavilion uh, for inviting us. And please join me in thanking our panellists today. Thanks. You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.